Welcome to the Catalyst Church Podcast. We're here up in Humboldt County, California. We're glad you're with us. We hope that you're blessed and that you find peace and grace in the Word of God today. So, Amen. Uh, we've been going through the book of Mark in um, passages uh, I signed up for for this day. I really like this, um, you know, the church services, churches I went to. They never uh, really kind of went through the Bible like this, and I really like it because, you know, you can highlight certain subjects, like talk about the topic of forgiveness or talk about the topic of grace or whatever, and kind of bounce around. But I think it's really uh, carefully, um, like surgically, kind of going through the books of the Bible and studying each chapter by chapter. So I really like it. I always get something new out of it. So let's see. The, um, let's all turn to Mark 12. And the passages that we'll be talking about today are verses 18 through 27. And I'll give a second there, and then I'll read those. Okay, so Mark 12, 18 to 27. So, let's see. Then Sadducees, who say there is no resurrection, came to him, to Jesus, with the question. Teacher, they said, Moses wrote for us... That if a man's brother dies and leaves a wife but no children, that the man must marry the widow and raise up offspring for his brother. Now there were seven brothers. The first one married and died without leaving any children. The second one married the widow, but he also died, leaving no child. And it was the same with the third. And the fact, none of the seven left any children. Last of all, the woman died too. At the resurrection, whose wife will, will she be? Since the seven were married to her, Jesus replied, Are you not in error because you do not know the scriptures or the power of God? When the dead rise, they will neither marry nor be given in marriage. They will be like the angels in heaven. Now about the dead rising, have you not read in the book of Moses, in the account of the burning bush, how God said to him, I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. He is not... The God of the dead, but of the living. You are uh, badly mistaken. And so uh, this morning I got up early and I was just uh, trying to read through this and see what was would pop up in my spirit. And so I thought about a couple different layers of these scriptures. And the first one, you know, uh, being you know of the feminist bent and growing up in the Midwest, definitely a little more patriarchal than here in California. Um, you know, I just the first thing is just like this kind of annoyance with this poor woman. Yeah. These <laughs> Sadducees think just you know one brother after another and after seven husbands. You know, so it kind of you know pops out like the um, how people will use theology to regulate women. You know, mm-hmm. and um, I like uh, initially how just you know Jesus in the um, Gospels he comes to the defense of women a lot, which mm-hmm. I really like. You know, and um, I love how he kind of clapped back at them. But um, and it also kind of challenges uh, that the married life is the only way to be truly fulfilled, mm-hmm. which another kind of false doctrine kind of thing I heard growing up was, you know, that a woman cannot uh, truly discover who she is or her purpose in the world unless she has a helpmate, a husband, you know, to come alongside and all that. So, you know, it's kind of, you know, the it's just the religious spirit here popping up. And, when you read through the Gospels, um, it's one thing after another of the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the religious folk, always try, trying to, 
you know, get Jesus to say something and trying to, like, trap him. And, you know, it was all just their angles, all just trying to, you know, get him to say something that was out of line or against their rules so they could have something against them. And he just, he always responds. You know, I love how he responds with a lot of parables, you know, so he doesn't give them, like, this very direct answer. But anyway, so the first layer, you know, the first layer in these passages of scripture, you know, that's the first thing that kind of sticks out to me is just that this poor woman married to, you know, seven men. And just um, the second layer, which I'd like to talk about, because it kind of, as you're going, I was, I was reading through this, it just like the, the driving point home is when Jesus said, Are you, um, he talks about the power of God. And he says, I'm the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. Mm. And not the God of the dead, but of the living. So when I started thinking about um, the different ways Christians, um, okay, how groups of people kind of demonize other groups of people, and how, you know, around here there's a lot of talk about homeless people. And, you know, they'll say the homeless or the immigrants, and they just see these groups of people as just kind of this big blob of people. And, you know, they don't take the time to hear the individual, like see the individuals in the big mass of people. Um, when I, I had a job where I worked on the plaza in Arcata, and, you know, you know, there's just, you know, the group out there, there's some of the same ones, some of the new ones, but just homeless and transient people. And, you know, sometimes it's just frustrated because of the dirt filth and all the chaos and everything. There was a, um, one of the kind of more popular homeless ladies that was around all the time came in and sat down and I gave her a glass of water and you know she I just you know started asking her questions and you know she she told me that at one time she was a teacher an elementary hmm. school teacher and she uh, had a little child in her class fall and was like died instantly in her classroom mm-hmm. and then that same week uh, she lost her husband and then the same week there was some other thing but in just a short amount of time um, all these things happen to this lady, and that's kind of like what, what began the road of her demise, you know? And it, it's just, I think it's important that we see people as individuals and not see them as, you know, demonize them into these big groups. And, you know, all the marginalized people kind of get that kind of treatment from, you know, from several Christian groups, you know, immigrants and queer people and homeless people and all these things. And, and um, thinking that, you know, I'm going to become a Christian because that's my ticket to heaven. You know, and then the use of fear to try to get people to make those decisions. But really, I mean, Jesus, the whole thing of knowing Christ, walking with Jesus in this life, having this, the spirit of the living God live on the inside of you. It's not just about when your body, the shell croaks and you spirit leaves. It's about the life that we live here. Mm-hmm. You know, and I love that's just like the driving point that, that Jesus said, you know, it's like God is the God of the living. And followers of Jesus, us Christians, we ought to be concerned about things that bring life. And um, not just always focusing on the afterlife. Um, just a little story, example. Um, I grew up and I was raised by my mom and her sisters. You know, the, the, the guys, were, the men, the fathers and uncles were always working and they weren't around too much. So I just had this really heavy influence from my mom and her sisters. And... Uh, her youngest sister, Cindy, was a really funny person. Um, she had really wild quirks. She had some, uh, you know, OCD and <coughs> mental illness struggles that we didn't really realize until after she passed and really looked at it. But she was one of those Christians, you know. She just, you know, 
oh, I can't wait till Jesus comes back, you know, oh, it's just, you know, just, just constantly feeding those thoughts and thinking about those things, and, you know, she had a lot of unforgiveness towards my other aunt, her sister, and, and all these things, like, from her childhood of being, you know, abused that she never came out with, and she just really lived a miserable life, you know, and she was a believer, she believed in Jesus, she prayed, she read her Bible, she went to church, and I, you know, she, at 50 years old, got a really horrible kind of cancer and died, and I believe that she's in heaven, but she just never, you know, I've reflected on her life, and she just never lived a good life, she didn't want to live, like, hmm. you know, I really, you know, I think, you know, if you don't want to live, if you don't take life, you know, and just grab it, you know, and you just kind of give up, you know, it's just, it's not going to work out. I mean, it's life something you kind of have to fight for. And mm-hmm. and I just, it makes me sad when I see Christians go through life with um, so much defeat. And just all it is is just their ticket to get to heaven. That's how, that's the only way they see it. And so the key word in all of this, that I, when I read this scripture, what pops out to me is just life. Mm-hmm. The idea of life. And... Um, in John 10.10, 10, which is one of my most favorite scriptures, it says, um, The thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy, but I, Jesus, have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. And in the translation I love to read, it says that you might enjoy life. Hmm. And so um, I did a little study, uh, you know, in the Greek, and um, the word zoe, it's spelled Z-O-E, but it's pronounced zoe that's used in these scriptures, it's a particular kind of life. And what that means is it's the God kind of life. You know, there's life that we live, but there's a different, it's a different thing, you know? Mm -hmm. So when it says, Jesus said, I have come to give you life, that's the life he's talking about. Not just humans live in earth, go day to day, go to work, die, that's it. You know, it's it's life. It's like the God kind of life. Mm -hmm. Jesus, when he came to this earth, walked, did his ministry, died, he brought a new kind of life Mm -hmm. to the earth when he was here. And when he was resurrected, he left it here. Mm -hmm. And this life is a life of abundance. Mm -hmm. Abundance, there's another verse, and I can't remember exactly where it is right now, but it says that I, above all things, I wish that you would prosper and be in good health as your soul prospers. God wants us to live good lives. God wants us to be full of joy and peace. He wants all of these good things. Well, why some Christians, you know, it's kind of a process. We're kind of all in these, like me, in middle stages. And I'm not, it's not like I'm happy and peaceful every single day, but I know how to tap into that Mm -hmm. because I do have that nature on the inside of it. Mm -hmm. And when um, Jesus... When we acknowledge Christ and what he did on the cross, there's so many things that happened, spiritually speaking, when Jesus was crucified, when he rose again. And one of the things is that he took the nature, the sin nature of man, like man and woman, mankind, inside of every human, there's, you know, there's this, there's a nature that we grow up, we're not even aware of it. But Jesus took that nature and he took it to the cross with him and he crucified it with him mm. and because of Jesus we can literally be like a new it's a new creation like mm. a new species so we have inside of us we have a brand new nature we don't always live according to that nature we kind of sometimes you know myself I'll slip back into the old you know the old person and you know kind of go walk going back and forth but that it's there and God imparted his very own nature and substance and in being into our human spirits and 
I think it's just really important to think about that and to read the scriptures about that because, you know, it's just it's the saddest thing in the world to accept Christ, acknowledge Christ, want to follow Christ, but then just live this really sad, horrible life. And that's that's the life I saw my aunt live. And you know, and when she passed away, I, I reflected a lot and I, I looked at her life and saw what she did wrong and saw all these things. And you know, it's just it was sad. It's just uh, she never. My family is had a lot of stigma with mental illness. It was like if you it, you know admitted that you were depressed or you had anxiety, then you were just a weak Christian and you know you just need to get over it and you know just those kind of things and it just you know it really it just destroyed her you know and um, like I said just looking back into her, reflecting on her life and um, so anyway so let's get back to this this Zoe the God kind of life what does it look like how do you get it how does it actually work in your own life. How does that become part of you? And there's, you know, you could probably do like a week-long seminar about all these things, but there's a couple things that popped out to me. Um, number one is we have to come into agreement with God's word. You know, it takes faith to please God. We have to believe that God is, that he's a rewarder. We have to believe that God's word is true, that God's word is God speaking to you personally. If, if it says in the Old Testament, no weapon formed against you shall prosper, it said that, that old prophet said that, and I like to personalize those things. No weapon that's formed against me will prosper. So I'm getting myself, my mind, my feelings, coming into agreement with God's word. And so um, also talking about that nature, that new nature that God gave us, we accept Christ. We have to feed that new nature, you know? I mean, it's just... Uh, you know, it's like I heard this analogy, like there's these two different dogs and which one you feed becomes stronger. But it's, it's simple, but it's really true because, you know, in my personal life, when I'm just feeding my flesh, you know, and I'm just like you know, watching <coughs> 10 hours of Netflix and, you know, just not tending to myself and drinking too much beer or whatever, hanging around the wrong people. And there's a lot of different things. But, you know, that, that old nature tends to kind of take the lead. But if I feed my spirit, if I spend time with God, if I come to church on a regular basis, if I hang around other believers and we talk about things, and you know, it's just I can feel the strength of that new nature, and it's just important. And another way is um, renewing our mind with the Word of God. That is one of the main things because, you know, every human, they're born this real little baby, they grow up, and there's wrong things that get put in our soul. You know, there's wrong ideas about who God is. There's wrong ideas about who we are. And so in order to get rid of that and to be like, to lean on that nature and be who God made us to be, we have to renew our mind with the word of God. We have to dig deep into God's word and see what God says about us. Hmm. And come into agreement with that, not with the anxiety in your brain and, and things you've been told growing up. Um, another one is... Uh, we have to recognize that there is an enemy. Um, mm -hmm. I don't like to glorify the devil, you know. I mean, there's extreme, you know, denominations that just the devil's behind the bush and the devil, the devil. They talk more about the devil than they do God. But, I mean, it's, you know, he's the fallen one. He's Lucifer. He's the father of lies. He's the evil spirit that's behind child trafficking and mm -hmm. abuse and 
hatred, racism, all those horrid things in the world. That's the driving force. Mm. And you know, Jesus defeated the devil when he went to the cross. He mm. is a defeated foe, but he spent, tends to spend a lot of energy trying to convince us that he's not. And so the reason, main reason I say this is because, you know, these thoughts and these ideas, they come upon us with these feelings. And sometimes t people tend to look inward and they're just like, there's something wrong with me. There's something, it's me, it's me. But really, if you recognize it, that that's something on the outside and it's not coming from the inside, it gives you just a more, it gives you like a clarity in how to deal with it. It's just recognizing that there is an enemy. I mean, Jesus came <coughs> and I have life and the thief comes to kill, steal and destroy. If he can't steal from you, he'll try to destroy what you have. And he, you know, he does have a power. He works through the world. And um, let's see, let's see. Uh, it's very important, the words that come out of our mouth. And this is where I want to talk about praise, okay? So this Zoe God kind of life, um, a huge part of it is praise. You know, like I love in this church, Bethany says a lot that we are, we should be marked with generosity. And I think we should also be marked with people who praise. And so what does that look like? Okay, so I was looking up, you know, the difference between praise and worship. Praise is where we acknowledge God's power, requiring nothing from God in the moment. We're just acknowledging who hmm. God is. And worship is more relational, where there's this exchange between you and God when you're worshiping. I always kind of see it, too, like the church, the praise music, fast, you know, kind of loud worships the more, you know, slower, more intimate um, songs. And um, the life of God enables us, this is, I, I'm kind of throwing this into Isaiah 61.3, to put on the garment of praise and exchange it for a heavy burden and failing spirit. And so just this little testimony, uh, this, was, this happened to me last week, and um, it's a little silly, maybe a little foolish, uh, you know, but, you know, sometimes things, you know, spiritual things seem that way to the mind. I mean, the spirit and the mind do not speak the same language. Mm. And, you know, Jesus, you know, he did things like spit in the mud and rubbed his spit in somebody's eye and they were healed. So sometimes there's these little foolish things. You know, we kind of have to get out of our heads sometimes and, you know, just, uh, tune into the spirit. But um, I have a lot of change going on in my life right now. I moved into a new home. I've decided to go back to school. Um, all these changes in the last couple weeks, I just, I have just been in this dark hole and, uh, I just, it's like, there's just something there and I just couldn't, I couldn't shake it. It was like, I try to talk to God. You ever like try to pray and you feel like it's just like you're in this concrete room and all your words are just bouncing around <coughs> you're not getting through, you're not getting through just this heaviness. And so I was driving, um, driving down old Arcata road, um, this one day and I just, all of a sudden, I just was like, I was just so frustrated. And I was just like, get off me, you know, get off me, you know. And I shouted in my car, and then I just started praising God, you know. Huh. I was like, God, I praise you for your goodness and your strength. Huh. You're mighty and strong. And, you know, it's not like, sometimes we do need to get a little loud. And it's not loud, so God, we don't need to shout for God to hear us. But sometimes when I get loud, it's louder than the and the uh, chatter in my brain, you know, the chatter that's going on and all the, you know. And so, you know, I just started praising God loudly in my car. And I just, you know, for just about five minutes, 
And then when I stopped, I mean, I could physically, in spirit, I could physically feel something lift off me. Hmm. It was like this heavy cloak that lifted off. It was about 80% gone, you know, because the tw- other 20% was just like black slave hormones, you know? <laughs> Those are natural things, too. But this huge portion of this darkness, just it just came off of me. And um, it's so important to praise God during tough times yeah. because what it is is it's this perspective thing, you know? I mean, everybody in this room has been in a time in their life, maybe it's right now, where you feel like all, everything, the moving parts of your life are crushing you. And there's just, you can't get through, you can't understand it, you have no power, and it's just heavy. And, you know, I I challenge you to get into this mode of praise when you're Mm -hmm. by yourself so you don't have to be embarrassed or whatever, (laughs) but just start praising God, you know, because... When you start praising God, the perspective of all you see are your problems and all those things. All of a sudden, your perspective turns to God because really God is greater. Yeah. God is bigger than anything. Yeah. I mean, than our our struggles and depression and health things and loneliness and all the, the things that humans battle. You know, if we get into a mode of praising God, we're tapping into that life, that Zoe life. You know, God mm-hmm. says right here that I am the God. I'm not I'm not a God of the dead. I'm a God of the living. The life that God has given, the life that's available to us. You know, I see it as like I've heard a minister say, um, the Holy Spirit or the power of God is similar to, it's the spiritual uh, electricity. Where electricity is in the natural world, the power of God is in the spiritual world. Well, in this whole building right now, there's wires everywhere, and there is electricity running through this building. But in order to access that electricity, we have to plug something in. Mm-hmm. And there is the power of God is, is available to us any time of the day, anywhere we are. And so how do we plug into that? There's different, there's a few different ways, you know, but a really powerful one is prayer. Mm-hmm. There's something, or praise, there's something very powerful about praise. Um, if you look in the old, I can't remember what uh, Old Testament um, chapter or book it's in, but the, Jer- the story of the Jericho, you know, story where his kids, you know, they marched around Jericho mm-hmm. and they shouted the praise and the walls came down. Mm-hmm. And then one of my other, my favorite ones is um, in Acts 16, uh, 20, around verse 25, Paul and Silas. You know, mm-hmm. Paul spent most of his life in prison. <coughs> and uh, him and Silas were there, and it said, um, while they were praying, singing hymns and praises to God, it was wild that was happening. I mean, they were, I mean, I've heard stories like historical things about what the prisons were like back then. You know, they weren't even anything like we see on TV. They, they were just, you know, they could have been like sitting in sewers. There could have, you know, horrible conditions. And in the midst of that, they were praising God, you know. And, and then all of a sudden there was like an earthquake that shook the jail and all these other miraculous things happened after that, but but what happened is the praise released that power. Yeah. It's like praise is an untapped power available to us from God, mm. and it works. Mm. And um, let's see here. So, and it's a way of ministering to the Lord. Um, a lot of times, myself, when I go to God, you know, it's like God, I need help. You know, please, you know, I, I thank you that you provide my needs and. You give me grace, and it's like all this kind of, what do I need from God? What do I need from God? And God's wonderful. God's great and big, and he, we're his kids, and he wants to bless us and give us the, our heart's desire. But there's something special about when we minister to the Lord. 
When we just glorify God and we don't expect anything in return, we just are doing it because of how wonderful God is. And I just think back about when I'm in that mode and I close my eyes and I just am praising God, I just think of all the times, you know, he's been so kind to me and gentle and he's, he's never let me down. You know, no matter all the stupid things I've done, his mercy is brand new every single morning, you know. His glory is greater. And the praise, I tell you, it just recharges through the battery in your spirit and gives you just this burst of life. And um, it's important. I mean, our words, when we open our mouth, there's power. I mean, God created the world with his words. He said, let there be. And the, the word of God says that we are made in the image and likeness of God. And I believe, and according to the Bible, that we have creative power in our words. Even there's so many theories out there like New Age and all kinds of things that you know manifest your destiny and all that. And really, those people are tapping into a spiritual law, you know, like physical law of gravity or um, centrifugal force. There's a spiritual law of our words when we speak out. And so when we praise God, we elevate God to the perspective that he belongs in. And, and it just gives you this strength to get through your problems, your conflicts and everything. And... Um, yeah, I just, it saddens me, um, you know, when you see good Christian people and they just live in constant defeat, you know, and God has a better life for us. And really, if, if you feel that way, you know, tap in, dig into God's word and just get, I just challenge you sometime this week, you know, when you're having a moment, just get by yourself and just raise your hand and just, just start praising God, you know, just just say, God, glory to you. You know, just whatever the words come out of your mouth, just glorify God and just keep doing it, keep doing it. And it's, I'm telling you, you will feel this life on the inside just rise up in this strength. And, you know, God's alive and uh, he's a living God. He cares about us. He wants us to live full lives. It's not just about accepting Jesus as our personal savior so we don't go to hell. It's about acknowledging Christ. And the Holy Spirit comes to live in our spirit. And together we go through life. We're, we're, we're joined, joined together and we can go through life and God can get us through anything. You know, it says, my favorite verse in the Bible is, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I have these three, uh, you know, I mean, uh, I'm, get, I'm, uh, getting, I'm applying to go back to school after 15 years. I'm good. I graduated HSU in 2005, and I'm terrified. There's moments I'm terrified because I don't remember math. I don't remember, math. <laughs> I don't remember half the things I learned in college, you know? And, you know, my brain hasn't been in that mode. And, you know, there's times when I'm alone, and, you know, those voices are like, oh, you're, never, you're not going to be able to do it, you know? You're, you know you're, your brain's older. You're not going to be able to focus, and you're just going to embarrass yourself. And, and then, you know, yeah, I'm you can say, do it. He never falls asleep. He's never weak. He's always available to strengthen us. And a lot of times it just comes through opening our mouth and praising God and getting full of that life that Jesus gave his life so that we can have that life. Mm. And that's pretty much all I have to say about that. <laughs> but uh, 
segueing into communion. Um, communion is a very important thing for us as believers. Um, it's a very symbolic thing in remembrance of what Jesus did for us on the cross. You know, Jesus, um, his body was broken, you know, physically for our sickness, for our poverty, for, for everything that we face. His blood was shed to, to not just cover, but to wash away all of our sins. And, you know, it, it doesn't have to be this religious thing. There's been times when I've taken communion with my coffee and, like, a piece of toast, you know? And it's just, you just close your eyes and you just thank God for what, you thank God for what Jesus, thank Jesus for what he did for us on the cross. Mm-hmm. And it's just this renewal, and um, I'll say a little prayer for the communion. Yeah.